From Miami Law, I'm Annette Uges, and this is The Explainer. We're all being damaged right now from a hotter world, and the damage is only getting worse. Um, Practically every week, uh, people die from heat, wildfires, um, and storms. Uh, Hurricanes are larger and more destructive. Welcome back to the Miami Law Explainer, the legal affairs podcast where Miami law experts lend context and historical relevance to today's headlines. Kicking off season 11, Doug Rooley, director of Miami Law's Environmental Justice Clinic, talks about global warming and the climate crisis amid the hottest summer on record. Morning, Doug. Good morning. Hey, welcome to The Explainer. Thank you for having me. Welcome to Miami Law. First episode of the season. Always an exciting moment. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. thanks. So you call what we're experiencing the climate crisis rather than climate change. Can you tell me why? Sure. Um, Because we're all being damaged right now from a hotter world. And the damage is only getting worse. Um, Practically every week, uh, people die from heat, wildfires, um, and storms. Uh, hurricanes are larger and more destructive. Uh, ocean temperatures are exceeding 100 degrees off the coast of Florida and basically boiling um, coral reefs. Uh, we have new cases of dengue fever uh, and malaria and leprosy. Uh, and insurers are abandoning Florida and the costs of property insurance keeps going up and up. Uh, And so to me, uh, all these things add up to a crisis uh, and especially because uh, it's all only going to get worse. Hmm. I was religious, end of days. so some well, young months. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, it some, does call to mind a certain set of incidents in Egypt a few thousand years yeah, ago. Yeah. Um, so some young Montanans uh, sued their state over climate crisis concern. Nothing to see here or Greta Thunberg salutes you? Well, I'm sure Greta is cheering them on, um, as we all should. Uh, That case turned on a specific provision of the Montana Constitution, which um, guarantees uh, Montanans uh, the right to a safe and healthy environment. Uh, That provision uh, isn't found in uh, many other states. There are about four other states that have it, and certainly there's nothing like it at the federal level. But still, um, the case stands out because the court held a trial over several weeks uh, and found that the evidence presented by the young people and their experts demonstrating uh, the climate crisis and its direct effects uh, on those young people, the court found that evidence was overwhelming. And if you if you read the opinion, the opinion's basically a hundred pages long, and over eighty pages of it are findings of fact uh, that lay out 
the climate crisis and its effects on Montana. And in response, uh, those uh, uh, who fundamentally deny uh, the climate crisis had very little, if anything, to present. Um, so it's a it's just such a clear demonstration when it when it comes uh, time for climate deniers uh, to put up or shut up. Uh, fundamentally, they shut up because the evidence um, demonstrating what's happening and why is overwhelming. So. A group in Florida, a group of students, including a, a student that's currently uh, enrolled here, uh, tried that in Florida. Why did it fail in Florida? And does this now establish some sort of precedence that they could revisit it in Florida or well, other states? Um, Florida does not have a similar constitutional provision. Uh, and the Florida case was dismissed for that and a few other reasons. Uh, whether there's uh, potential for a new case to be brought uh, is something folks are looking at uh, and considering right now. Uh, certainly the, uh, the overwhelming uh, demonstration, the, the, the evidence that was marshaled for the Montana case is something that can be presented in fundamentally any courtroom uh, in the United States. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's pivot over to the uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, the largest allocation for climate funding ever. So, what's in it, and why haven't Americans really embraced its passage? Well, the the thrust of the Inflation Reduction Act was to make big money available um, to promote the transition to cleaner energy uh, and electric vehicles uh, and cleaner industry generally, reducing not just carbon pollution, but other forms of pollution that impacts um, people's health. So moving forward in these areas reduces our pollution overall, uh, helps people to live healthier lives, and uh, already is generating thousands of relatively well-paid jobs. So it's very significant legislation. Now, as to the politics, um, the opposition and their uh, voices <laughs> uh, have attacked this law relentlessly. Um, and uh, just to give an example of that, uh, uh, astonishingly, uh, just last month, Florida refused over $300 million in federal funding for energy efficiency, uh, which directly hurts um, Floridians at a time of hotter summers and rising electricity costs. So uh, across the country, though, um, as more facilities open, uh, more people have jobs, uh, pollution goes down. I think more and more Americans are embracing the law, and it's only going to become more popular uh, as we go forward with implementing it. As a pocketbook issue. As a pocketbook issue, as a health 
issue. Uh, and uh, as, uh, I mean, you look across the country, everywhere is experiencing uh, the hottest summer on record. It's been the hottest summer on record in Miami, uh, across the Gulf states, in the Midwest. Uh, and California just had its first ever, I think it was called a monsoon rather than a hurricane, but the, the same, it's the same idea. Um, and an the, earthquake at the same and time. And an earthquake. The, the weather is getting weirder and weirder, and it is uh, affecting almost everybody at this point. So the legislation, too little, too late? Well, I would say uh, too little, yes, um, but because more needs to be done. But still, it's the most significant climate legislation this country's ever enacted and needs to be recognized as such. So yes, we need more, but this is a law um, worth celebrating. Too late, I'd say no, um, uh, even though years ago would have been better. <laughs> the Al Gore's of the world. <laughs> now, now is better than later. Right. And hopefully it will build momentum for even more going forward. So you spoke a little about the opposition uh, to the act. Um, and I just kind of can't grasp like, the fossil fuel industry with this like NRA like lock on on politicians. It would seem that rapid warming and other signs warrant an emergency response for, from everybody. Well, I think I think the opposition stems mainly from three sources. Um, first is uh, money and its influence in our politics. Uh, the second is ideology and propaganda. Uh, and the third is any form of change is hard. If you look at, at the, the, the 10 largest oil companies, say, in the world, collectively, their revenues uh, are in, annual revenues are in the trillions of dollars. Uh, and their, their net profits are in the hundreds of billions of dollars. That's more money than most of us can even imagine or contemplate. And they spend a great deal of that money on political influence, and particularly in the United States, and particularly with recent rulings from the Supreme Court, uh, that money buys a great deal of political influence. That's just the reality. So that's the first factor. And tax breaks on private planes. <laughs> well, I do. <laughs> Uh, secondly, there, there is, uh, there are, uh, substantial media empires, uh, dedicated to, uh, an ideology that finds itself threatened by, uh, the actions that are truly needed to combat climate change. Mm -hmm. And that also is largely tied in to and funded by the fossil fuel industry. So maybe that's just a subset of number one. Uh, and then lastly, uh, transitions are hard. Um, keeping 
continuing doing the same thing always at least feels easier, mm-hmm. uh, even though that's no longer an option. Um, so what more is needed, like as Mother Earth, as a country, and in here in South Florida, where we are ground zero for extreme heat, sea level rise, reef killing ocean temperatures that are fueling, as you said, enormously destructive hurricanes? Well, um, for heat, uh, to my mind, the most immediate need is for substantial protections for outdoor workers. Uh, Neither Florida nor even Miami-Dade County has yet enacted uh, rules that require, would require rest breaks and water breaks and cooling breaks. Uh, And so every year uh, workers die and that's the first step. Um, Beyond that, uh, Miami uh, needs a thorough and multifaceted plan to reduce the heat island effect uh, within the city. And then that plan needs to be implemented. Mm -hmm. And that's where most plans fall down. Um, Even the best plans uh, only go so, you know, they they have to be implemented to mean anything. And then more generally, uh, for the region, the state, the country, uh, we need to stop uh, any further investments in fossil fuel infrastructure, uh, any subsidies or tax breaks, uh, uh, but any, any investments of any kind. Building more fossil fuel infrastructure at this point is foolishness. Uh, and, uh, I believe, um, particularly South Florida could transition entirely to renewable energy, uh, within the next 10 to 20 years, probably by 2040, relying mainly on, on solar energy. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's what we need to do. Uh, and then there are a variety of other things, uh, the heat, the rising oceans are going to come. Uh, and so um, planning and mitigating for that uh, is as much is as important as trying to um, stop putting more carbon pollution into the air. Well, we're all going to need rowboats if we stay here, right? So I find it hard to get up in the morning for a feeling of as a Miamian, as a Floridian, uh, as a citizen of Earth for hopelessness. Like it's too much, too fast. We're way behind the eight ball. So I always ask Jessica Owley, our wonderful Jessica Owley, this question, what can one person do? And of course, voting number one, but what step could we take in our personal life to feel like we are addressing it in a way we can, that we're doing one new thing to make things better? Well, let me just say, I think we all feel that way sometimes. Um, Maybe some of us more more often uh, than others. Uh, But I think we would feel even worse if we did nothing uh, and gave into it. So 
I think really the only option is to do what we can uh, in our lives and in our communities and know that throughout the world, millions of people are doing the, the exact same thing and doing what they can in their lives and their communities. So um, there, there are a lot of people um, trying to make these changes. I think rather than a specific uh, recommendation, I mean, obviously the, the voting and engaging in the political process and electing people um, who aren't, who are committed to addressing the problem is, is hugely important. Uh, and I think beyond that, uh, just trying to think hard about how we're living and the decisions we're making uh, and be mindful, uh, whether it's, uh, uh, well, in, in, in all our consumer choices um, and uh, trying to do what we can to reduce our individual impacts. Uh, so stop bitching about paper straws. Just don't use them. Well. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us on that happy note. It was a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Okay, see you around. Thanks for joining us for The Explainer and a whole new season of Explaining. If you enjoy our show, leave us a five-star review with your podcast provider and ask your friends to subscribe. You can always drop us a comment at explainer at miami.edu. Our show is engineered and edited by Christopher Alzadi with theme music composed by Rady Kim from the Frost School of Music. I'm your host, Annette Uguez. Today's show is sponsored by Miami Law's White and Case International Arbitration Lecture, ICS ID Arbitration, Past, Present, and Future. This September event features this year's speaker, Meg Kinnear, Secretary General of International Center for Settlement of Investment. For more information, visit law.miami.edu.